In this episode of Desert Islands Horror, we have the Zachut of speaking to Robbie Yona Reese, the scan of Betdin of the Betdin of America and Av Betdin of the Chicago Rabbinical Council. Rob Reese also serves as Rosh Hashiva at Reitz and is a graduate of YU and Yale Law School, where he served as a senior editor of the Yale Law Journal and worked as an associate for six years. He is a member of the Editorial Board of Tradition and has published articles in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Law Journal. Thank you so much, Rob Reese, for joining us today. It's a real zuchut to have you with us. It's a zuchut to be here. Thank you. So it's Desert Island Torah, three pieces of Torah that you would take to a desert island. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really looking forward to learning and finding out your three pieces. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece? Okay, so my first uh, piece uh, that uh, I thought of really relates uh, to uh, my work as a Dayan. I've been sitting on a Bezdin uh, for the past 25 years. I began at the, the Bezdin of America in New York. I'm still associated with that Bezdin. And for the past 10 years, I've been the Abbetin of the Chicago Rabbinical Council. And in our work in adjudicating cases, uh, we have to decide according to the, the principle of Tzedek Tzedek Tirdof, that uh, justice, uh, justice, you shall pursue it. And the Gemara talks about why do you have an extra word of uh, Tzedek in the Pasuk and explains uh, a number of different answers. But one major answer is, that a Bezdin is supposed to decide according to the strict letter of the law, but a Bezdin is also supposed to decide in accordance with equitable considerations, what Rav Yosef Dov Soloveitchik would describe as Yosher, what's just and what's a right under all of the circumstances of the case. And there's a piece by the Ramban, it's maybe a relatively well-known piece, but it speaks very much to me, very much resonates with me, based on a Pasuk in Parshas Ve'eschanan. The Pasuk says, Hashem. You should do what is just and what is good in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that things will be good for you. And the Ramban really gives three different explanations of what the Pasuk is teaching us. The third is probably the most well-known, but I think it's important to learn the Ramban in its totality, to understand that really all the three pieces are coming together. The first is that you have to focus on what is right in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sometimes there are changing mores or relative types of moral thinking in society that are adjustable from time to time and which are contradictory and don't necessarily conform with ultimate divine truths. So we're told uh, don't just uh, follow the changing ships in societal to societal morality, but rather you should follow in what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. The second interpretation and explanation of the Ramban is uh, that if you do so, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you a haftacha, a promise. If you want the blessings of the world, for things to really work out well for yourselves, for the universe around you, so you have to focus on what is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu really wants. And then the third explanation the Ramban gives is really a focus on, well, what is it exactly that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants? When we speak about doing the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, bringing about what's going to be good for us, what's going to be good for society, what's going to be good for the world around us. And he says, Rabbosenu, this is where the rabbis come in. Rabbosenu, there's a medrash yafeh. 
This means that you try to effectuate resolutions in the spirit of compromise and also in the spirit of going above and beyond the letter of the law. Whenever you have interpersonal disputes and interpersonal dealings, you try to figure out what is going to be a just resolution, what is going to enable you and your fellow, you and your neighbor to get along in the best possible way. And then he says, he says, this is a very major item, a very major cornerstone, shall we say, maybe even of our faith. It's impossible to expect for the Torah to outline every single possible scenario that could potentially occur. Every single interaction, every single case scenario situation that will arise in every single place, in every single generation. Rather, the Torah gives us a sampling. It tells us certain things. The Torah tells us that you shouldn't go around being a, a slanderer, being a talebearer. You shouldn't bear grudges. You shouldn't exact revenge from your fellow. You should not be that type of a nasty personality who always stores up anger and then takes it out against others at inopportune times. You should care about the welfare of your fellow and not stand idly by when your neighbor is bleeding, either physically or monetarily or spiritually. That you shouldn't curse people and backstab them when they can't hear you. You should show respect to your elders. And so forth and so forth, says the Ramban. This is intended to lay a foundation, a groundwork, so uh, if you will, in terms of you're supposed to act in a virtuous fashion as we see from these various edicts, but that's to teach you that you're supposed to act virtuously regarding every single aspect of your life in terms of how you deal, how you interact with others, in terms of acting with mutual respect, in terms of acting with a spirit of caring for others, of loving others, in terms of not trying to take advantage of the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of others. Um, and he says, Even that which our rabbis tell us in the Gemara Numa, the way that you interact, that you should speak sweetly and gently and kindly towards other people, until people will look at you and say, oh, this is a wholesome person, this is a righteous person, this is a virtuous person, this is what the Torah expects of us. So the Ramban is telling us there's a catch-all phrase in the Torah, it's a catch-all phrase, which is supposed to govern our interpersonal dealings. It's one that also, he says, has ramifications with respect to halakos, like Dina de Bar Metzra, somebody is selling a property and it's far more valuable to the neighbor who lives next door who will be able to expand their existing property than it would be to an outside stranger. So you should give the neighbor the first dibs Right, a first refusal with respect to that property. That's something that actually even gets enforced in Besden proceedings. So it really is a, a, both a, a, a commandment with respect to every individual in terms of how he or she should comport themselves, but it also is a reminder to the Besden of what it means when we're trying to effectuate justice. We look at cases that come in front of us where it's just the right and just thing to do. I had a case of not so long ago, a few months ago, in which um, one of uh, the children of a particular man was looking to excuse himself from paying funeral expenses for a parent. 
didn't have the closest relationship with that parent. Turned out halakhically, the person wasn't even related to that parent um, because of uh, various uh, conversions that needed to take place and so forth. But nonetheless, it was clear based on the, the uh, vantage point of Ve'asisa Hayasha Ve'atob Hashem person was raised by the individual, um, that it wasn't fair to impose the burden of funeral expenses on the community writ large, that this was somebody who had a more direct benefit, a closer connection with that individual, just based on even if it wasn't the halakhic heir of the individual who passed away, there was a certain burden that was appropriate for this person to bear and to share when it came to the funeral expenses of the individual who had raised him. Um, there are many such situations where this plays out in terms of best and adjudication, but it's important to look at not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. This Ramban is very important in terms of explaining to us and describing to us how we decipher the spirit of the law according to Judaism, according to our Torah. That's piece number one. It's a great choice. Um, I really, really like that. I think Selek Selek Teradov, the Sfas Emes, um, has a great interpretation um, on that pasuk that, you know, the repetition means that there is no end to Hashem's righteousness and Hashem's truth um, because Hashem is so true. And therefore, we must delve deeper to ensure that we're living the complete truth um, and avoid Hashem. So I think that's a really important, that's a really important piece. Very good. Okay, so are you ready for the second piece? Let's go. Second piece comes from Rabbi Shimon Shkop. Rabbi Shimon Shkop's thoughts uh, and uh, Hashkafa and uh, his alumnus are very much captured in a sefer called Shari Yosher. They say the Hakdam and the introduction to the Shari Yosher by Rabbi Shimon Shkop, those in the Yeshiva University world will remember that Rosh Shimon Shkop taught for a brief period of time. He was actually one of the Russia Yeshiva pre-war at Yeshiva University. Of course, he was mostly in, in Europe. But Rosh Shimon Shkop speaks about the Pasuk of Kedoshim to you, you're supposed to be holy. Because after all, Kodesh Baruch Hu is holy. And there's a medrash that says, oh, Yacho Kamoni, you might think that you're supposed to have the same level of holiness as a Kodesh Baruch Hu. No, it's Kikadosh Ani Hashem Malokechem, a Kodesh Baruch Hu's holiness is a greater and a more uh, more removed from that which we are capable of. So he says, what's going on over here? What is the explanation of Kedusha? How is it that Kodesh Baruch Hu's Kedusha is superior, is unreachable, and yet we ourselves are charged to follow in the ways of a Kodesh Baruch Hu to imitate um, and to emulate the Kedusha of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So he says like this, he says, Calling and say, he says that our idea is and our um, the goal in life is that we should sanctify ourselves to do good for others. And he says all of this is included in the mitzvah Hashem of kiddushim tihiyu. And the idea is that what is the Kaddish Baruch Hu all about? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all about giving of his goodness towards others. This is why he created the world, to give of his kindness, of his generosity to others. So when we try to make ourselves sacred, so then we have to remember that even that which we do for ourselves, we have no choice, but we have to take care of our bodies. We have to take care of our souls. When we're taking care of ourselves, 
that it really is all for the purpose of sanctifying ourselves, that we want to make ourselves healthy so that we can actually help others. This way we'll be able to help others. But he says that we can't only think about other people because if we do, if we're not going to take care of ourselves, then we're not going to be able to um, not going to be able to help others. So therefore, the Medrash teaches us we can't fully follow the kedusha. We can't fully attain the holiness of which is embodied by a kodesh baruch Hu because a kodesh baruch Hu yisparach kedushaso yisparach yiraklin yivroim lo leasma yisparach. A Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't need anything for himself. So he's able to give up himself completely for others. What is it that a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants from us? We know that our lives come first before other people's lives. But the idea is that we have to understand that our entire purpose in terms of taking care of ourselves is so that we will have the wherewithal and the ability to give to other people. And he says something very fascinating, and this is really a basis for the interpretation that we know of the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, right? Hillel said, if I'm not for myself, so who's going to be for me? But then he continued to say, but then if what I take for, if, if what I take out of my own needs is that I'm only going to care about myself, so then my ani, what is the ani? What is the significance of myself in this world if it's only going to be about, oh, I want to enjoy a good meal, I want to watch a good movie, I want to enjoy a good sports event, I want to get a, a geschmack out of riding my bicycle, but I'm not giving for, to anybody else uh, from any of my activities. So he said, the problem is, you're not defining the Oni properly. You're not defining what it means to be you. And this is a fascinating thing. He says it like this, that we have to find exactly what is the definition of our Oni. How am I defining me? This is going to define an, an individual according to the level that of Kedusha, of holiness, that individual can achieve. And he has five different levels of, of defining the id, of defining what it means to be an ani, to be Aleph Nun Yud, to be yourself. He says the basis level is the most basis level is animalistic. My me, the way I define my ego, my id, is solely in terms of my bodily needs, my physicality. A second level higher than that is when a person defines their ani, their, their themselves, who work on migufa nefesh in terms of their body and their soul. But then you have to keep on going. Third level, the person when they think of myself, I think of myself, I think of my family. What do I what do I need to do for my wife? What do I need to do for my children? What do I need to do for other members of my family? And then he says, fourth level, a person who walks according to the ways of the Torah, 
When I define me, I care about another Jew who's suffering somewhere, who's suffering in Eretz Yisrael, who's a victim of a terrorist attack, a Jew who's a sick, who's ill, who needs something, a person who needs a Shabbos meal, a person who needs a visit, a person who needs some comforting, a person who needs some monetary support. You have to view yourself as simply a limb of a larger body that includes all of Klai Yisrael. But you know what? But Shimon Shkup doesn't even stop there. Then he has a fifth level. Fascinating. Fifth level. Listen to this. Says, who is the most, the complete, most fulfilled individual? This is a person who's that everything in the world, all of creation, is an extension of that person's identity. And the person is only like a small little organ, sakar in the wheel of besoch kula of the entirety of all the creation. The asgam regish avas asmo ozir lo levos lehovis kol ami yisrael. So then, a person's love for themselves that a kodesh baruch who creates as simply a natural instinct that we should love and take care of ourselves, it extends to the entirety of the Jewish people. Vas kol kula and all of creation, and it should extend to all of creation as well. This is what Shimon Shkup talking. Very, very powerful, powerful words. Powerful words in terms of understanding our role and our responsibility on this earth towards ourselves, towards our family members, towards all of Klai and indeed towards all of humanity and all of creation. That's my second source. Wow, that incredible, incredible. Um, the Mishnah Brigava is one of my favorites, um, but also we spoke about Kadoshan to you. Um, and Rav Soloveitchik says, you know, holiness is created by humans. So it's all about how we, you know, know God in all your way. How do we know Hashem in all our ways? By being holy. And the shot of holiness is that Hashem tells us to be holy because he is holy. Um, and I think you really elaborated on that in so many ways and really beautiful. Okay, so now I'm down to my last piece, the third piece. I mean, really, the, the truthful answer of what I would take with me on a desert island is some art school book that would say the Holocaust of how to survive on a desert island with all the English text on the top and the Hebrew footnotes on the bottom. <laughs> but I don't know if that book has been written yet. So in lieu of that, I'm going to um, go with my third piece now. The third piece is from the Chazunish. Very little known uh, piece that was written by the Chazunish in his youth. It's republished in the Pe'er Hador. It's relegated to a footnote, a fascinating thing. You know, people sometimes, you open up a chumash, and it's very, very overwhelming. You look at uh, the parshios, you know, that uh, talk about the end of Kedoshim, for example, or Kedoshim, all kinds of uh, terrible punishments. A person does this avera, this terrible immorality, and you get this death penalty, and that death penalty, you go to Masechah Sanhedrin, and all kinds of death penalties, all kinds of very, very severe punishments, all kinds of things a person could do. You violate Shabbos and you uh, eat, and, 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 and you violate Machalos Asuras and you're eating Chomets on Pesach and all kinds of things and other types of uh, violations. You get Malkus. And yet, I have to tell you, the world that we live in, we're not administering so much Misa and Malkus uh, when the Sanhedrin was exiled from the Lishka Sagazis. So we stopped giving out a Misa, we stopped administering the death penalty, but we're told by the Mishnah Masechus Makos 
that any Bezdin that would give out the death penalty excessively was called a Bezdin Kablonis, was considered to be um, a, a very uh, harsh uh, and, um, and 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 uh, uh, a, a very draconian type of a Bezdin. It wasn't considered to be an ideal uh, type of uh, um, a, a, a administration of justice to constantly put people to death. We try to follow the principle of a hisilo aida, of rescuing people so we don't have to put people to death. So says the Chazunish, very interesting. All the death penalties in the Torah, yes, yes, of course, that is the halacha. That's the law. The law is you violate certain things. There's edim, there's hasra. A person is matar asmo misa says, yes, I know that they're going to get the death penalty, but they're doing it anyway. Um, so there is such a, a sentence that is included in the Bezdin of uh, the death penalty. But it wasn't really intended that people should act in such a way that they should get the death penalty. And we have all kinds of exemptions and all kinds of requirements that would prevent a person from getting the death penalty. Well, Pizeh says the Chazonish, very, very interesting. He says, you know what the main purpose of all the onshin is uh, that are described in the Torah, of all the punishments? Yasu's people lost in the Nikayan Amidos. He says it is in order to in, in it is in order um, uh, to uh, make the impression upon your soul that you will understand what are the proper character traits and the proper practices that you should want to follow in your life and those that should be disgusting and should be abominable to you. Um, because because the whole purpose of looking at the onshin for certain types of infractions and transgressions is uh, to make an impression upon your heart and your soul, the in order to make it such an item abominable to yourself, and to think, oh, how could I do such a thing to to violate Shabbos when it's such a horrendous thing that the Torah says you get a death penalty for it. And this is in addition to the fact that you would be scared of the punishment, whether it's a punishment bidei odom, whether it's a punishment bidei shemayim. In addition to that, it's just to impress upon you a value system. It creates a sense of values of what are the types of things that I should be seeking to do, to I should be yearning to accomplish, and what are the types of things that, that should create a sense of aversion, a sense of disgust, a sense of distaste in me, prohibited relationships, um, uh, by eating certain types of food, um, of uh, engaging in certain types of necromancy, um, uh, uh, bowing down to idols, things of that sort, that it should create a revulsion. Um, so he says that the reality is um, that what is accomplished through these laws is that it creates a musr type of orientation much more than it is meant to be actually carried out. We have ways in which we avoid carrying it out. If you have a Sanhedrin that kills once in 70 years, it's called a killer Bezdin. As I mentioned earlier, not considered to be a, an, a, an admirable goal, per se, to put people to death. 
Um, but rather, he says, He says that we make it a very, very extensive process not to make it easy to put people to death. And that also creates a certain sense of appreciation for Jewish justice and what it means to be rigorous and to be careful not to precipitously put people to death. And he says, goes on to say, um, and that when we see the way it's carried out, so we see that the ways of the Torah are very, very just. But the fact that the Torah describes these death penalties is mostly to impress in our minds the enormity of the sin so that we will have a sense of right and wrong that will be embedded in our souls. We talk in Bazayan, and so too when the Torah says an eye for an eye. We know anyone who goes to yeshiva seminary knows it means monetary, a monetary restitution. Not that you actually gouge out a person's eye because they took out somebody else's eye. So why then does the Torah say ayin tachasayin? It could have said mamon tachasayin, kesef tachasayin. Why does it say ayin tachasayin? in order to make it embedded in people's hearts, how bad it is if you take out a person's eye, that it would have been appropriate for the person to lose their eye if they took out somebody else's eye. So therefore he says that this is why it's appropriate to say in order to create that in order to create that sense of right and wrong and of moral virtue in us that this is a primary purpose that the punishments and description of the punishments serve in the Torah. I think it's a very, very you know fascinating thing. People sometimes look at the punishments. They say, oh, such a bloody religion. You're constantly putting people to death. They say, we never put people to death, almost never put people to death. We put people to death in the base medrash when we're learning about these sugyos, but mostly these sugyos exist in the base medrash. The death penalty say, this is the chazonish. This isn't, you know, just uh, any uh, person um, from the street walking in and saying this. This is the Chazonish, one of the greatest golem of our uh, past generations, saying uh, that the primary purpose is to instill a sense of virtue of right and wrong, of abhorrence uh, for bad things, and a love for virtuous things in our hearts and in our souls. So interesting um, and a great choice. Thank you for sharing. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing such insightful Torah with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, uh, you should continue to have lots of bracha and hatzlacha in your podcast and uh, in spreading Torah to all of the Jewish people. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Am Yisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.